This episode of Bushes Breakaway is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. We are so close to the goal that will allow me to do a sermon outside of MSG on opening night for Church of Kako. I hope to see you all there. We're going to try and record it if we do hit our goal. So go to patreon.com slash bushesbreakaway today and support us to have that goal happen. Also, we will be doing a live show on September 14th at the Gin Mill, it looks like, in New York City. I think we're going to be teaming up with another podcast. We have more details to come. I will definitely be confirming those next week. And I'm also going to be talking about the Reddit meetup game, which I believe is going to be December 27th in the future. Uh, so we'll be posting about those on our Reddits or on our Twitters. And you can come see us uh, on live, uh, uh, either in the live show or the Reddit meetup game. All right, let's get to Mark Messier and this nonsense-filled episode. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier. And you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans. Welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Raimid. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, I am officially 30 years old. Welcome. It's fucking miserable. It's there's nothing good about it. I it, no. I think the craziest part about that is we started this podcast when we were 26, and now we we're 30. Yep. And at 26, yep. you look and you go, "Wow, my whole life is ahead of me." At 30, you feel like, "Wow, I'm going to die soon." So, yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll get many tweets and some reactions that are like, "You're 30. You're so young." I get it, man. But I know how you felt when you were 30. Don't lie to me. Or yeah, you, you conversations. Conversations I had today while I was at the track with someone, we talked about our 401ks. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, we talked or lack about, thereof, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Greg, fun fact, Greg yes. still doesn't have a 401k. Incoming. Greg has a 401a, which is shitty from what I understand. Yes. Uh, what else did we talk about? We talked about how once you get to a certain age, you need to stand up for yourself at work because no one else is going to look out for you. Um it was, t- it was, yeah, it was really fun day at the track. Really Let fun, really reflective. I threw a massive party for my birthday. It was chef-themed. Uh, it went very wonderfully. Everyone came in aprons. It was great. But I have to say the highlight, and this is how I know we're old, the highlight is that some of our friends' parents showed up, like a couple different parent groups, and we all were like, yay, parents are here. And that's when I knew, like, wow, man, this is, we are, wow. Yeah. Yep, pretty tough. Uh Best uh, best moment at the track today, since we have so many Ranger notes to talk about. Yeah, welcome to Bush's Break by the Double One Rangers podcast, where we talk all yeah. Rangers exclusive stuff on August 5th. Uh, recording this actually on August 4th, releasing on August 6th. Look at the inside baseball I'm revealing to all of our fans. Mm. Uh, race three of the day at Saratoga. Uh, a 41-1 to horse won the race. Wow. And... Naturally, Ryan, don't you worry. Greg had the horse that came in second. Yeah. Because that's how Greg fucks. Yeah, of course. However, however, the way you the said 41 the one horse made an illegal move, which forced the five and the eight, who finished second and third respectively, to check up when they shouldn't have had to. And they objected. An inquiry was held. And the three horse, which again was 41 to one, got bumped down to third. So Greg now won money. Now, hold on. That's. That's the fun part of the story for Greg, but it gets more fun. Great. Because there is one old guy, got to say, no way he's younger than 75. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, we're, we're watching this one from uh, behind the grandstand. So there, there's like standing room only yep, back there. Yep, yep. It's actually quite a good view, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this guy starts storming around the grandstand. He's not saying anything at first, but we can tell he's not happy. 
out of nowhere in one of the one of the quieter moments as people are just milling around talking about how crazy it was that a 41 to one horse won and then the 41 to one horse all of a sudden didn't win out of nowhere this guy just goes as loud as he can fucking crooks we, we all just stop what we're doing we're like oh, oh, oh here it okay. comes here it and comes for three more minutes go by give or take uh my buddy's trying to order some uh barbecue mac and cheese which is delicious delicious, delicious stuff cannot cannot uh undersell it less and then as these three minutes go by we're now laughing about it with the lady that's giving us the mac and cheese and i know where he goes this is bullshit and we're just like ah this guy we gotta hang out with this guy the rest of the day uh, didn't see him the rest of the day. I think he wanted to kill me for laughing as hard as I was for him yelling fucking crooks and bullshit. I, I like will that tell you, I, that is you when you were older. Like, it's so weird that you saw the time traveling version of yourself. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Because my buddy my buddy was like, yeah, well, what, what would you do if you bet on a 41 to 1 horse that did win and all of a sudden got taken away from you? I was like, it, it'd be ugly. I couldn't it'd be, be stopped. I, yeah, I would. Yeah. Have to, I had to get taken out. Like they would be like dragging me out of the park. I'd be so salty, unbelievable. Yeah, I, I would, I would rip some things up. I would throw some other things. I, there would be a lot of glue factory mentions for the horses involved. It, it'd get ugly real quick. Two thousand nineteen, bad quick. taste. So you may have noticed. Uh, you might be thinking to yourself, "Wow, Ryan and Greg have spent the summer really killing it. They mm. started the Church of Caco. Mark Messier talked about the hey, podcast. Got my, uh, got my second. Uh, second time back-to-back weekends, a guy came up to me at the track just going like, bro, I just got to say, great fucking hat. It's a great hat. I, I don't know what else to tell you. It's people who don't even know Church Caco, the hat is so fire. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. Um, Okay. Started Church Caco, Mark Messier. Uh, we obviously yep. had our biggest summer ever. You're thinking, yep. how are you going to follow it up this week? Got bad news. We're back to normal. Uh, We have no. <laughs> we have no <laughs> there's... We did an emergency podcast talking about Kevin Shattenkirk. We're going to talk about it a little bit right again now after a few days of reflection. But other than that, I have very few topics to go over with the Rangers. Because, Greg, nothing is going to happen until the end of August. Absolutely nothing. I don't even think it's going to – I don't think anything's going to happen until training camp starts. I'll go one step further. Is training camp mid-September? I don't even know when it starts. Jesus. Yeah. So uh, we're going to try and make these next few weeks a little fun. This is kind of an impromptu improv episode for greg and i so thanks for hanging out if you're new to the podcast and you've been like hey i wonder what these guys do in august welcome to the blue shirts breakaway Um, yeah we've joked we've joked about and and maybe not this year or even last year but there have been years where you and i would sit on the podcast being like what the fuck are we going to talk about today and usually the rangers come up with something that can get us through an hour of podcasting where we bring on a guest that gets us through an hour of podcasting the problem this week is I have to work nightside tomorrow, mm-hmm. which means we can't record on a Monday, which means we're doing this on a Sunday, which means like normal fucking human beings, there isn't anyone for us to bring on the podcast. On Sunday so nights. yeah, you're going to get an hour of us just being like, uh, well, this so is life. anyway, this is life. This is life. Uh, let's start yep. reflecting. Let's do some Ranger topics and then we can just go. This is uh, improv, whatever. We've spent a few days here talk, well, reflecting on the Rangers Shattenkirk news of Shattenkirk being bought out. I think we both came to the conclusion, and almost at the same time during the podcast, that it was the only move the Rangers have, and it was sort of inevitable. On, yes. the, sc- on the scale of 1 to 10, after a few days' reflection at the track and me turning 30 tomorrow or whatever, or the day before this as you're listening, where are we on the upset scale of the buying Kevin Shattenkirk out on 1 to 10? 10 being the most upset, one being the least. I think it's a pretty 
pretty secure five, as in a couple days after the fact, I understand 100% the uh, financial implications of what the Rangers did. This is purely a salary cap compliance move. I don't think it says anything about the Rangers' confidence in Kevin Shattenkirk to be a serviceable defenseman next year. It's simply the New York Rangers couldn't have bought as much cap space buying anyone out realistically. So this is who they had to buy out. Uh, But at the same time, it's not, I'm not satisfied with it because there are certain things in this world that I would guarantee. And one of them is Kevin Shattenkirk is going to sign with the lightning or the Leafs. He's going to be a very productive third pairing defenseman. He's going to be very good on some team's second power play. And he will score. And we're all going to realize he will score. We're all going to realize that Kevin Shattenkirk, while maybe not being worth north of six and a half million dollars is 100% still a better than league average defenseman. And we're all going to see it very soon. Absolutely. Him being on the lease for lightning couldn't be a bigger lock. I think the devils are also going to be in play for some six strange reason that I'll be really upset about. I just, how, how angry are you going to be if we finally get McDonough Shattenkirk two years after the fact? If the first pairing they put him on is with McDonough, it's got to be just a big fuck you. It just feels like a giant middle finger towards the Rangers. Now, the Lightning have a good relationship with the Rangers. Most of the former Rangers go to play for the Lightning and then try and win a cup and get swept in the first round. But I, I just, if that's really what they run out right away as like their second line pairing, and I don't know if they would do that, but that's very good. I, it's all I wanted to see. It's all I wanted when Kevin Schackinger got here. We got, what, 63 minutes of it, I think, total? I th- yeah, it was less than 100 minutes for sure. It's truly unbelievable. So it's – I'm going to be honest about the Kevin Shattenkirk thing. I think I'm right at six just for like – I'm kind of upset emotionally for him. Um, and I, I feel bad almost that he got the short end of the stick in this situation. He really got fucked. Like I can't think of any way he could have been in a worse situation. He signed for four years instead of seven. He took less yep. money. He came to a tax-heavy yep. state. He yep. just had a kid. He just celebrated yep. his his uh, anniversary, and then he got bought yep. out, all because of financials. Sure did. So I, I don't know what to say. My dog just stole something and is running downstairs. It's a live dog update. Um, and I, I with Kevin, honestly, I'll miss him. I don't think he was a player I was ever attached to. I didn't want to buy him out, and I still think the Rangers are going to unfortunately have to make a move here because they're going to be $100,000 under the salary cap pretty much, and if anything gets kind of funky during the season where someone gets injured, they have to do some call-up or pull-down, they might go over, and that isn't possible. Well, I, I, with the Shattenkirk buyout, it does become more likely that the Rangers could create more of a market for the likes of Nemestikov and Strom because now they can eat salary, and we're talking about the Rangers. If the Rangers eat 50% of Nemestikov salary, that $2 million that they save just becomes – just budgetary room for them to negotiate with. Same thing with Strom, though it's a little less money. The Rangers do live in a world now where if there was ever a market for Vlad Nemestikov or Ryan Strom, no longer is it the Rangers have to trade these guys. It's more like the Rangers could trade these guys, so you have to offer a little bit more to make it worth their while. Still, though, it's just, I don't know. I I, I think, I mean, we're talking about a cap situation could be Mark Stahl suffers a long time. I mean, I'm not rooting for this, but yes. it's not it's not the world's most unheard of suggestion to say that Mark Stahl will not be able to get through the season. I'm glad you're bringing healthy. this up, by the way, because something I've thought about before, at least in, in hockey terms, is 
So in in, in baseball, because I know people love this when we talk about baseball, the Dodgers do something yeah. where they call Dodgeritis, and they they quote unquote say someone has a stiff neck, and then they go on the DL or IL now. For <laughs> in Jinru. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, he definitely got Dodgeritis and um, is taking a break pretty much because he's tired. In hockey, I feel like a lot of convenient players go on long-term IR, usually accompanied with devastating injury news or devastating disease. And it always feels a little too convenient for me to where I'm skeptical that that's true. But I'm always curious is if the Rangers have, I don't know if they're too classy for this, have they ever like gone to Mark Stahl and been like, hey, listen, can you just say you're injured in this way? Like, can't you go on long-term IR? Like, wouldn't this be better for you? I guess he still wants to play. He's got two years left in his contract. But I just can't imagine that conversation didn't happen, or at least... I I have a hard time believing it happened, because I think, of everything we've seen, I think the Rangers still see value in Mark Stahl. It's still so So, insane to me. But... Yeah, so I think... I I can't... Greg, when we talk about those other players that have gone on long-term IR, I just... I know for a fact, like those teams went like, "Hey, listen, we're salary cup structured. Why don't, why don't you just like, you know, why don't you just go home? That's it." I, the Blackhawks. What was the other one? The Lightning? No, the Leafs. I can't remember. The, the Senators have yeah. a ton. I mean, that this isn't to this isn't to undermine the injuries that real injuries. Like Marion Gabrick had a very serious illness that affected him in a way, and Marion Hosa actually. Was it Hosa that had Hosa the... had some skin disease that like, when I yeah. when I looked it up on Wikipedia it sounded quite brutal. I think Gabrick is like a legit injury. I don't know. I it's just the entire salary cap structure is odd to me where a guy like David Clarkson who's been under contract for the last 4 years but hasn't played so teams just get to pass him around as if we can afford to pay his salary and we can eat that money it buys us a free 5 and a half million dollars of cap space at a later date and that that part of it feels fucked up and it's just, I mean, everything the Senators have done this offseason, it's just, it's straight up cap circumvention. And it's not just cap circumvention. It's also the fact that they are responsible for like $15 million in salary to three players where they only have to pay $2 million of it. So they're not even they're not even coming close to honoring the rules of the collective bargaining agreement. They're, they're straight up telling that CBA to go fuck itself. And the NHL seems more than okay with that. So... I, I'm not saying the Rangers are ever going to go to Mark Stahl and be like, bro, you need to go on long-term IR. It's just, it's the fact of the matter that Stahl's body is betraying him. Has betrayed He's him. not where he is in a health standpoint that he was even two years ago, let alone four years ago. So it's not crazy to say there will come a time this season where Mark Stahl needs two weeks off, and that's the bare minimum for long-term IR. Um, but how we got to this conversation about Mark Stahl is basically it just comes back to the point of the New York Rangers, if they want to find a partner for Nemestikov and Strom, it would be easier to now trade half those salaries to create more cap flexibility than it was before the Shattenkirk buyout. At the same time, once the season starts, I know Larry Brooks doesn't want this. I know Carpinello doesn't want this. One of the best trade chips the Rangers will once again have is Chris Kreider. And they will not have to eat any salary in that deal in order to get zero, a premium return. Zero so percent. The Rangers have wiggle room now, which is something they didn't have. I, all this to say, 
again, by all accounts, it sounds like Brandon Smith is going to be buried for the entire season. We're not going to see him play in a Ranger jersey this year. Yeah, it saves like $500,000 or something. Uh, it saves over a million. Oh, my bad. Yeah, it saves um, him. Him and Boleski being buried saves the Rangers about $2.125 million, I think, total. Okay. So there's more wiggle room for the Rangers. The the, the thing is, the, the thing of why we're struggling to really say anything Ranger-related, because outside of the Shattenkirk news, the speculation is the same that we've gone over. Outside of the ev- inevitable one-year deals that D'Angelo and Lemieux are going to sign, the, I, I would say the roster the New York Rangers currently have, I think that's going to be the roster throughout training camp. I Would you be stunned? This is one thing I want to talk to you about, because there has been some rumblings that the Rangers might sign like a vet minimum defenseman to bring them up. But would you be stunned if the pairings come opening night were anything different than Shea Truba, Stahl D'Angelo, Hayek Fox? No, I think that's fine. I think that's totally No, fine. I'm saying, would it, would it surprise you if that wasn't our six on opening night? Um, yeah, I think a little bit. I think, I'm trying to think here if, if Hayek will make the team or not. That's really I think it's a near guarantee. I don't. I'm, the Rangers would have to add a lefty defenseman better than him. I don't know who they would add. I think. I think we're going to live in a world where those are your starting six, and then the Rangers' seventh defenseman is maybe someone in the form of like a Darren Radish, who, while he would benefit from just getting more time in Hartford to play every night, I don't think the Rangers are too worried about Radish's long-term outlook where he might just be a seventh defenseman anyway. So why not just bring him up and have him eat a minimum salary roster spot? Yeah, I guess that's a, a good point. I, I just, Fox is definitely making the roster, right? I've, I know yes, we, we've talked. With Shattenkirk gone, it, you cannot convince me that the Rangers would start with three down the right side beyond Truba, D'Angelo, Fox. Yeah, those feel like locks at this point. I, I think what you said, the original pairings there are just, it's a guarantee for the offseason opener. I, I just, yes. I don't I'd see be, any other I, way. I would go so far to say I'd be surprised if that wasn't your six on opening night. The only, the players that we're like looking to see is if they're going to be on the team or not this year are, are probably forwards. like forwards and goalie. So Leas, uh, definitely if someone's going to be uh, of much conversation, obviously being the seven. I don't even, player. I don't even think goalies in conversation. I think you it's think a Igor's a lock to go down to AHL. Uh, yeah, I think Igor is going to start in Hartford. I think it's a guarantee GRGF starts as the backup. I think as he should. He's I think earned he's, he's earned it, obviously. He's played his ass off, and uh, to to be just dethroned by some guy in training camp probably isn't right. Because it's not Yeah, it's not I think the game. only the, – the roster I say some guy. That's, that was very rude towards Igor, by the way. Sorry, Igor. I think the roster questions the Rangers will be answering come opening night, will their second, third, fourth centers be the kids – or will one of McKegg and Boo uh, earn one of those spots? I still think McKegg is going to play a wing. Um, you think McKegg's on the playing, fourth line playing wing? Okay. I think McKegg's a guarantee to be somewhere on that fourth line. I don't think he's a guarantee to be playing center. Mostly because we we believe that the three kids that we've talked about many times will be centering after Mika, which is Howden, Leas, Heedle. Yes, I'd be. I'd. I want to be stunned. I think there's a chance one of them doesn't end up. Centering, I think there's a chance Heedle continues to play a wing, but I think a year like this, there's no reason not to just play those three kids down the middle and see what they can do. 
and just rotate their time on ice throughout the year where no one's necessarily playing top six minutes every night. And at the same time, no one's necessarily playing fourth line minutes every night. It's one way to just keep the kids fresh while also giving them um, NHL ice time with NHL players. So, yeah, I think, I think that's really the big one. I mean, outside of that, think about it. Neither of us expect Kako to start in Hartford. That would be no. stunning. Oh, uh, Greg, I if Kako started in Hartford, I can't imagine the crusade I would go on. The <laughs> the uh, the uh, the the whole clergy of all the cock worshippers out there, we'd be on having a giant protest in New York City outside MSG. There would be no way. There would be signing signs being burned. There'd be it would be an absolute shit fest. So there's no way that would happen. I'd say it's it would be more surprising than not for even Kravtsov to start the year in Hartford. Kravtsov is also a lock to make the Rangers. I just see no yeah, way he just, doesn't. So the Rangers have to dress twelve forwards here. Let's oh, let's pull up cap friendly. Let's do a little welcome to August. Are there fourth, twelve everybody. forwards? Yeah, are there twelve forwards the Rangers could start with that doesn't include Kravtsov opening the season with them? My guess is. Honestly, probably no. I'm letting you bring this up, but I want to. I, I, I want to hang, hang on to your horse. I am. I'm going to talk over it. Uh, I want to thank Cap Friendly for making these things a little easier because honestly, Cap I, amazing. I can't wait to stop talking about buyouts. I'm like over it. I'm over We're it. We're done with it. We're I know. Done with it. We're I just. About it I, I I want to talk about hockey and playing hockey and not. Do they fit in the cap? And all that all right. bullshit. So, I don't understand. Just buyout windows. So it's not even twelve forwards, right? We have to find. Eight wingers, not named Kravtsov, to put on this team to make it possible. So, who will be up on the team ahead of him? Artemi Panarin is one. That's a lock. Chris Kreider, if he's here, is two. Pavel Buchnevich is three. Brennan Lemieux is four. Okay. Those four will definitely be New York Rangers come opening night, right? That's a lock. No question. Yep. Uh, then you put. Then you have Capo Caco. Okay. Caco yep. is five. Mm-hmm. Jesper Faust is six. Yes, per those two will also definitely be their opening night. So then it comes down to Vlad Nemestikov. Will he be here as seven? And then after seven, honestly, Boleski's going to get buried. Yep. He's not McKegg, ever seen the team. I think could be a wing, but I don't think Greg McKegg is going to be the reason why the New York Rangers don't let um, Vitaly Kravstov start the season with them. Nope. Uh, same goes for Booney Evis. I'd be stunned if the Rangers let Boo be a reason why they don't keep Kravstov here. I think Kravstov is going to be the eighth winger. I just, I just, I think it's pretty safe to to assume that. Yeah, I think that's totally safe. I think the Rangers think very highly of him. A the NHL released their top fifty prospects this week, and I believe he was number twelve in uh, on that, that list, list. Was a little ridiculous. It was. Uh, do you do you want to go on it? Do you want to go on another? It's ridiculous. Cody Glass is still a top ten prospect, while Leas Anderson's a bust rant. It's yeah, I'll do it right now. It's unbelievable yeah. because Cody Glass is a guy that the Rangers wanted to take. They're literally the same age. Leas is deemed unplayable, or rather a bust, because he wasn't quote unquote NHL ready. Like you know, it's not fair to Leas Anderson, and maybe that maybe it's fair or not fair, but that maybe this is just life. He got thrown into a team that was rebuilding, right? He got thrown into yep. a team that. We were going to play the kids, and that's what we did. We played Leas, and Leas got owned. And that's not his fault. He never really made an impact. He's still 20 years old. Think about what you were doing at 20. I'm 30 now, by the way. Um, right oh, here. I was daydreaming of turning 21. That's what I was doing at yes. 20. Yes, so at this point, Leas 
is the same exact age as Cody Glass, but Cody Glass is still thought of as a top 10 prospect. Now, they're of, of similar talents. I'm not exactly the most prospect-oriented person, but he, Cody Glass plays for a team in Las Vegas that is really good, and he hasn't gotten a chance to sniff the ice. Cody Glass might not make that team because the team is so good. Leas himself got thrown into the fire and wasn't able to hang, and because of that, he's deemed a bust. He's still 20. He still has a lot to go, uh, a lot of development to go. I, Greg, I saw you tweet it. He's in the best shape of his life. I'm ready to see. Best what, shape of his life season, baby. Let's go. He put on 20 to 30 pounds. He looks fast on the ice. I'm ready to see what Liz can bring this year. That's all. Well, let's 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 play this game. Let's revisit mm-hmm. the top 10. From the 2017 draft class, which oh. is where Leah Sanderson got picked seventh overall. This, I know exactly which one will hurt me, but keep going. Well, I don't think it's going to hurt you. I well, there's one. I don't know which one's which one's going to hurt. Is you. it Pedersen? Eric Brandstrom? It's Pedersen, really. Yeah, but he the Rangers didn't have a chance. That's true. Uh, Nico Heischer. We're confident that that guy is no worse than a middle six. Nico can forward. play hockey at a high level. Yeah. Nolan Patrick. Went second overall to Philadelphia Flyers. Might, we're not, might be a third-line center. Well, he also might not be able to stay healthy. I mean, he's not going to play anything higher than third-line center minutes this year. Mm-hmm. They signed Kevin Hayes to a seven-year deal. Yep. Uh, Miro Heskinen. We are big fans of Miro Heskinen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cal McCarr yeah. made his NHL debut in the playoffs this year. And top three prospects. We're very confident in his abilities. Yes. Uh, Peterson, as we said, yep. Peterson is maybe one of the top 10 young pieces in the NHL today. Guaranteed. The aforementioned Cody Glass. Cody Glass goes sixth. The aforementioned Leas Anderson. Casey Middlestad, who had a underwhelming debut as a Buffalo Sabre last year, for sure. Uh, ninth overall was a guy by the name of Michael Rasmussen, who put up 18 points in 62 games for the Detroit Red Wings last year. The I Red... don't hear anyone saying Rasmussen can't handle himself in the NHL. And then uh, 10th overall was Owen Tippett, who, checking his numbers. I don't know who Owen Tippett is. Has, Maybe has played. He's played seven games in the NHL. He scored one goal. And that is it. Good for you, Tippett. Thing is, there's a lot more development to go for Leas. And that, that's a, yeah. a, a real prime example. It's been two years. I don't want to label yeah, him if a we're, bust yet. If we're redrafting, only I mean, if we're redrafting seventh, right? Mm-hmm. The only guy who goes after Leas that I think you can make, uh, there, oh. there are two guys I think you can make immediate cases for. Uh, Martin Nakis, I, I'm sure I'm butchering his last name. Absolutely, Welcome the young center down. for the Hurricanes probably should have taken him ahead of Leas Anderson, and then everybody and everybody loves Eric Brandstrom who is one of the top probably five prospects in the NHL uh, defenseman. But outside of that, I mean, people love Robert Thomas. I'm not going to say anything bad about Robert Thomas. I'm a big Christian Veselainen guy. How do you say anything about the Rain- Rob Thomas? He made it smooth, bro. There you go. There you go. I uh, feel like Carlos Santana. Uh, yeah, no, it's just, bro, it's only been two years, right? Yep. That's basically the point of all this. It's just ridiculous. Everyone who's like, I just, I'm so tired of it. I am tired. Of I know it you're too. tired of it too. And we're not going to hear the end of it. We're going to talk about it again, which is bullshit. We're not going to hear the end of it until he posts a 50 point season. Even then I'm sure there'll be people like, well, why didn't you score 60? Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how Leas goes this year. I kind of want to take a uh, hard right turn on this podcast and talk a little bit oh, about right. Artemi Panarin. I know, what right? 
Well, I, I, I realize that we haven't spoken about Artemi as a person and what we know about Artemi as a person. As a human being? This is what we're doing, okay? So stick with me. Interesting. we got to fill content here. But this is something I, I, do okay. th- I have thought about a lot these last two weeks. With the Rangers organization, they've had a lot of, um, not polarizing, but kind of, would you say, a good soldier players where they don't go out of line, they don't... I mean, I guess Kevin Hayes went on Barstool a few times, but other than I mean, that... you're describing the NHL, though. It's not exactly a league of personalities. You're right. Artemi Panarin legitimately has a personality and loves showing it off. And I'm sure you saw the... Uh, he's been on Twitter and answering some of the questions that he responded, like... Uh, he pretty much said, told somebody online, I'm always dominant. Like, how do you feel like you're going to play this year? He's like, I'm always dominant. He's cocky. He's talked shit about Putin, which I feel like is dangerous to do, especially when you're, uh, a, yes. when you're a Russian player of that level. And it's kind of – listen, I, I knew who Panarin was. I followed him. I knew how good he was. But I, I didn't exactly know his personality. But the way he's, like, recorded these videos about being a New York Ranger, the way he's talked openly about his – um, angst against the Russian government and how he's talked about how good he is and how excited he is to be a Ranger and how who, which players he's excited to play with and he's interacted with the fans. Could you ask for literally anything more in a player of that of of like a free agent signing who's going to be like the face of your franchise in two years with with Hank retiring? This is a guy that's actually fun to root for. Who's other than Yager? Because I know that's who you'll say. Can you name, like, a, a an offensive player that was like, wow, this guy is, like, spicy. He's, like, fun to follow. Like, is Rick, was Rick Nash ever that player? I don't think Rick was ever, I, would, I wouldn't say fun to follow. That guy is just, like, business casual yeah. every day of his life. Agree. Um, you like, for, before I answer this, did you like how he called Lundquist Mr. Lundquist? I did, and misspelled his name, which I really related to. <laughs> it was, like, a moment where uh, I was like, hey – Panarin can't spell just like me. Um, I feel like it's, it's tricky. It's definitely tricky. I feel like uh, Marion Gabrick could have been that guy, but I don't think New York ever gave him the opportunity to be that guy. Yeah, and he kicked her ass. So pretty cool. Um, Theo Fleury was always fun to watch, but the Rangers sucked when Fleury was here. Uh, Pavel Bure had an opportunity to be that guy, but he couldn't stay healthy. The Rangers have had personalities. It's just when they've had personalities, it's never matched the talent with the exception, of course, of Yager, right. my guy, that was, who you've mentioned. I, I knew the answer was going to be Yager, and that's why I wanted well, to talk about that. It's because he put up a 124-point season, And he bro. was a badass while he did it. It's not like... Yeah, he's fucking Yamir Yager. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. So... Uh, just in the last couple of years, I, I can't remember a player that I've been watching that has that much uh, swagger and is just obviously feels very comfortable in his own skin talking about anything and is interacting with the fans straight up. Just is like, you want to ask me a question? Go ahead. I'll answer like 20 of these. That's awesome. He did that unprompted. He's just sitting in Russia doing that. So, and by the way, great photographer. I don't I know. I know you posted his picture of like. Uh, the airplane in the puddle. I don't know if he... He's a fucking artist, bro. I don't know if he took that, but if he did, really great shot. I'm giving him credit. I don't give a shit. Same, me too. Um, do you want to do some five-star questions before we get to seriously some nonsense? Because we still have 30 minutes to fill. Let's do it. 
This podcast is sponsored to you by you, to you by our Patreon subscribers. We don't have real advertisers yet, but we might have them soon. If you want to go to Patreon today, you can go to patreon.com slash Breakaway. And at that point in time, you can subscribe, find some really cool things, join our Discord, which I'm going to be redoing hopefully this week. Uh, we also released last week our first bonus episode ever for our $5 subscribers. It's the history, the oral history of Blue Shirts Breakaway. It's an hour and 20 minutes of me and Greg talking about everything that's happened in Blue Shirts Breakaway. If you love the podcast, you want to know the background of what happens with us and some things we did, uh, go check it out. Uh, and our shirts are shipping this week, too. So thanks, everyone, for supporting us. You can go to Blue Shirts Breakaway or patreon.com slash Blue Shirts Breakaway today and support the podcast. Thank you so much. If you want to leave a five-star question to this segment, you can go to iTunes. And Google New York Rangers or Blue Shirts Breakaway. Google, wow. Type in New York Rangers or Blue Shirts Breakaway, and we will uh, read your question on air once you leave a five-star question. So, here we go. Five-star question. This is from AJ Hedell. With the expansion expansion draft from Seattle looming for the 2021-22 season, who are the early candidates for being left unproject- unprotected? As a first and second-year players are exempt from being eligible to be chosen... Will that figure into the roster makeup this season? Perhaps shield players from having be, to be exposed. Uh, I don't think they'll be shielding players at all, such as Kako or Kravstov, as we've discussed earlier in this. Well, but, they don't have to. Correct. Uh, who would they? Who would they shield this, this, this at this point in time? Uh, I know that I feel like Heedle would be the one that would be totally protected at that point. I know that uh, there were players such as Mika Zabinajad and Panarin that have to be protected. Jacob Trubel would also have to be protected. So I, I, we don't know the rules expe- for the expansion draft yet, do we? Uh, have they come out and said that it's going to be like a certain amount of players that need to be protected? I think it's going to be the same that Vegas had. So it's the 10? or it's a, Yeah. Okay. So that leaves uh, – that's already three players. Mark Stahl will be off the books that year? Yes. Mark Stahl will be yes. off the books that year. Um, I guess this also goes back to Leas for a second where it really depends on his development, right? Where if he's, he's developed into a nice player, we protect him. If he doesn't, we don't protect him. Uh, so I don't know if there's a cat. I, bet, I don't think I don't. I don't think you got to worry about the. I think the Rangers will protect Leas pretty much no matter what. Is there anyone you I think? Particularly I worry think about? like the only spicy guys. If you want to go spicy, I think they'll leave Georgiev unprotected. Um, I think I don't know. We're you'd basically be getting in the. Wonder if the Rangers would leave someone like Ant- Anthony D'Angelo unprotected, mm. depending on how his game goes this year if he cleans up his act in the locker room there are a lot of variables with D'Angelo we always have to take into account that the Rangers might consider with him um I mean Lieber Hayek is a guy that they could leave unprotected of the young like if you really wanted a spicy forward I'd say of the young centers probably go Brett Howden before Anderson Howden Howden is probably the guy that gets unprotected in, in my I, I bet you, I, I, if I had to say today, I bet you the Rangers would be happy if Georgiev was the guy that got plucked. That just solves their issues, honestly. Um, this question is a little dated, but it's five-star review and question from Spaghetti Joe 7 I listen to this podcast every week. Glad to see you guys are gaining as much traction as you have. Thanks, Joe. My question hey. is, my question is, why doesn't Brooks consider buying out Nemestikov or Smith instead of Shaddy? Well, <laughs> talked about. <laughs> well, yes. Once, well, we'll just uh, t- to reiterate. He, wait, I'll, it, I'll, I'll finish. All, I'll finish this question. Of... It's not over yet. This this will all be sorted oh. out by next week's podcast. But in my opinion, both of them deserve buyouts given their performance. Uh, Fox is unproven and might benefit to some some tough playing time in the AHL. So Shaddy would bolster the right side. Potentially give. Okay, you know what happens there. So yeah, that's pretty much the whole question. We'll see how it plays out. Keep up the good. Yeah, it it's strictly a salary move 
it, the Rangers needed to move a guy, buy out a guy that buys them enough salary space to do all their other businesses off season. Kevin Chattenkirk was the only guy that provided them that kind of salary space. And that was it. Done. Uh, third, it. third question. It says, boys from K- Quim Babe. I like that. Quim Babe. Ooh. That's fun to say. So there's, there's a lot of hype about Truba and Fox and other young D-men on the roster. What do you guys mm-hmm. think David Quinn will do with Labor Hayek next season? Personally, I think he played well in small sample size. Thanks, boys. Love the show. Praise be. Uh, like I said, with Shattenkirk being bought out earlier, and Greg pointed this out, there's just no way he's not the third guy in the third pairing. There's just no way. I can't see another situation where Hayek is in. Hayek did play before. I, I believe he got injured. Am I remembering that correctly? I'm not you are remembering that correctly. I think it, it was a separated shoulder. That's what it was. Uh, or maybe that was Brett Houghton. Anyway, uh, Hayek did play. Well, both of them. Hayek did play very well in his short sample size, and we're going to see a lot more of him this year. There's just no other options at this point. So we'll be. I'd say we were riding the Hayek. I'd, I'd go so far to say we were surprised by how well he did play. Yeah, because his because AHL numbers he really struggled under, all year in Hartford. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, he struggled a lot, and he ta- he sort of talked about. Uh, playing at a higher level in the NHL because he could play with a higher talent around him. And also, you can just elevate your game if you're playing meaningful games and you know it. Like, imagine, well, not, going, not just the, imagine going from Hartford where that. you're like a shoulder shithole to going to the Rangers. Well, little, not just that. Game. And as much as we shit on Lindy Ruff, which I think is fair and deserved. It is. Why is he still here? I don't know. Yeah, uh, while we shit on him, it was clear that the Rangers just weren't playing a defensive system in Hartford at a certain point last year, which arguably could hurt a guy like Hayek who just needs structure. So he comes up to New York, the big squad, which as we've stated many times on this podcast plays a bad style of defense, but at least they play a style of defense to their credit question mark question mark. So I, I, I think, I think the Rangers saw it as an opportunity to take Hayek out of a bad situation, which was Hartford, and put him in a less bad situation, which became the Rangers. And he thrived. I, I, I don't know if thrived is the right word to use, but he enjoyed a period of success. Seems like felt comfortable. Sure. Yeah. There was not a point last year where we sat back and said Lieber Hayek was overmatched. Uh, I wish we had more of Lieber Hayek, obviously. But like we said earlier on this podcast, we are – we will both be surprised if the Rangers' third-pairing defenseman did not include Lieber Hayek on the left side. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and those have been our, our three five-star questions for the week. You can leave your own at iTunes, uh, open it up, and leave a five-star question. Thanks so much. You've, we've now come to the nonsense part of the show, where if you are interested in not listening to the rest of it, I totally understand. I appreciate you stopping by. You can follow me on Twitter at Mead. You can follow Greg at Break, where he tweets a lot about... Uh, Greg's been killing it. I haven't really been tweeting much this weekend because I've been a little busy. But I haven't actually tweeted much this weekend either. Okay, so we're a little both off our game, but it's August. It's the most dead time. Did you? Did you? Uh, did you thank our twenty-five dollar bros at some point during this podcast? I, I, like I was going to do it at the actual end. We could do it now if you'd like. Oh, might as well do it now. Why not? Why not? Just gives us people what they want. I want to thank yeah. these people as the backbone of Bush's Breakaway before we get to nonsense. Uh, Brian Doyle, Twitter from Manhattan. Thomas O'Neill, who's new, who was literally one of the first people to ever send me an email on Bush's Breakaway. Uh, Eric Stock. I think he was like one of the first people we ever send an original shirt to. Thomas O'Neill, one time, I believe, uh, sent me an email and was like, hey, where are episodes one through four? You took them down. Can I have them? <laughs> 
And I was like, why on earth, Thomas, would you want these? They're absolutely terrible. Don't email me. I won't tell you where they are. I sent them to them. Anyway, thanks, thanks, Thomas. Uh, Mike Smith, Ben Weber, who's absolutely my guy. Uh, ben Waters, Benjamin Waters, and Sean Taggart. Thanks so much, guys. Let's get to the nonsense. Uh, I, I, your videos of me in a, in a Pope costume will be coming soon. And uh, on top of that, I'm trying to think of another bonus for the $25 club. Anyway. Uh, I wanted to give this uh, time to talk about some things just randomly going on in sports because, well, there's nothing else happening for the Rangers, for mm. me personally. And I, I can't think of a better place to start, and I'm so sorry, Gregory, than the Mets winning oh, no. eight, eight in a row? Nine out of ten. Hmm. Would you – the Mets have won nine out of ten. Yes. They're going to start a four-game series with the Florida Marlins tomorrow. Yep. Miami one, Marlins? One of the worst teams in baseball. That is correct. The worst team in the National League. Yes. Uh, now, the Mets have won 9 out of 10. Greg Kaplan has bet once on the New York Mets over the last 10 games. Would you like to just <laughs> guess which game Greg bet on? I can't, man. You're the worst. How do you do it's that? <laughs> unbelievable. At the second I did it, I was like, dope. And it was when the Mets had won seven in a row. I was like, dope. They're going to lose tonight. No question about it. I parlayed it with... Um, the Red Sox to score first Friday night, which um, James Paxton is just notorious for giving up first inning runs. It's what he does. So, of course, that immediately hit as soon as he gave up a two-run homer to Mookie Betts. The Mets were up 3 nothing at one point in the game against the Pirates, and they lost 8-4. to four. And Greg lost money. Yeah, that's because just that's what Greg does. A, a day in the life of Greg. It couldn't be anything yeah. anything better than that, huh? Uh, yeah, that that entire that entire betting day was something else for me because I also I made two other parlays that day and we can if you really want to get into the Mets we can do that after this. I made two other parlays that day. Uh, one was the Indians money line and they crushed. They won like seven to one, and I parlayed it with the over under in the Blue Jays Orioles game, which right. was originally set for eleven. But I was like, you know what? Let me just get a guaranteed win on the books here. I'm going to make it eight and a half. The starters in this game was some guy named Aaron Brooks for the Orioles, who had an ERA of uh, over five and a half. And the starter for the Blue Jays was former Met great Wilmer Font, who had an ERA of 5.06. Eight and a half, Ryan, was the over-under. Do you want to guess how many runs were scored in this Wilmer game? Font, by the way, former Ray Great. So, yes. Former Ray Great, yeah. Uh, I, I would like to say, uh, what, three? Three runs? Seven. <laughs> they got to seven. <laughs> You're uh, shit, the, Greg. The Jays, the Jays went as far as to put two guys on base in the top of the ninth inning to try and make it eight, at least, maybe even nine. Uh, and my guy Teoscar Hernandez uh, struck out. So that's the best. Great. Well, and then the last. Hold on, I, there was one more parlay, and it ended just as horribly as you could imagine, because uh, it included the Phillies of Philadelphia. Was this? The Ra- oh, hold on, is this the Vince Velasquez throw? It is the Vince Velasquez game. Oh my They're god. They're up three to two in the ninth inning, though, Ryan, mind you. Three to two in the ninth inning with two outs, mind you. What do they do? They blow it. And then as we know, they run out of pitchers in the fifteenth inning. Yes. And lose to the White Sox. So just just a really And just for those people it was, not it was dude, it was hard. For those people not knowing what we're talking about at home, Vince Velasquez match. is a picture. A uh, picture, a pitcher for the for the Phillies who played left field for the first time in his career and had the only perfect catch uh, statistically of the season and also gunned a guy out at home the first time ever playing left field. Totally yeah. unbelievable. Should never happen. 
Uh, baseball is weird. How could you not be romantic yes. about baseball? The, the pitcher playing left field threw a guy out at home plate, whereas the outfielder pitching got the loss in the game. Unbelievable shit. Uh, let's take a couple yeah. moments here to talk about the wild card standings in baseball because this is where we're at right now in August uh, 6th, whenever we're listening to this. Uh, currently, mm. the NL wild card is particularly interesting. Yes. The, the Mets are currently three games back, and I would say they are the last wild card contender. That's just yeah. Somehow the Mets are one game under five hundred now. Which yes, is... I don't know how that happened. You guys have a pitching. Uh, they staff. won nine out of ten. That's how it fucking happened. That's how it happened. So the teams you were competing with uh, to get to the wild card at this point yep. are, are the Philadelphia yep. Phillies, the yep. uh, St. Louis Cardinals, the Washington Nationals, Milwaukee yep. Brewers, Arizona yep. Diamondbacks, and somehow the Giants are pulling some uh, oddier bullshit at this point. So, so we're pretty sure that the Diamondbacks and Giants will sooner or later fall out of the picture, right? Yes. Both of us are, are agreeing in that. That makes it. We're also sure the Mets will fall out of the picture too, right? We're not sure. Uh, I, oh, I, I have some weird optimism for you, and I'll explain why. And tell no, me, do not. Tell me why. Do tell, tell me why. It would be my I, honor to tell you why. I, tell me why I'm wrong. Okay. I'll, I'm here for it. Here we go. Of the teams yeah. I just named. Yes. Does anyone even come close to having a starting rotation better than the Mets. There are only like two teams in baseball that have a starting rotation better than the Mets, and that doesn't fucking matter. Uh, I think it does, especially when you're going, you're going on this deep run. Just, momentum doesn't exist, but when Pete Alonso tweeted out, let's fucking go Mets, did momentum start? I don't know. The bullpen hasn't gotten the memo yet, so I'm going to say no. Uh, okay. All here's right. the thing. Here's, here's Here's why I'm not optimistic about the New York Mets here, Ryan. And it, it, it really comes down to two human beings. Two human beings. The first being Jerry's Familia, who literally couldn't throw himself out of a paper bag right now. He's just an abysmal train wreck. And he, whatever we want to do, we're talking about phantom injured list stints, dodgeritis. Mm-hmm. If the Mets could put Familia on the 60-day injured list, they'd be better for it. The second is Edwin Diaz, dude. He's bad. I don't know what happened to Edwin Diaz this year. He's just bad, flat out. Yeah. Even Saturday, the Mets had a four. The, thank God the Mets had a four-run lead going into the ninth inning because he still gave up a two-run homer to Starling Marte, and it, it was a no-doubter. And you know what? I would have been stunned if it wasn't a home run because it was a fastball right down the dick. He's bad. I yeah. Uh, I well, I that trade is not looking great. Not looking great for the for the New York uh, Mets. Cano, Cano finally started to get hot, and what did he do today? He got, fucking got strained his hamstring. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah he'll so, be out. But here's – to bring up Edwin Diaz, it brings up a point that I want to talk to you, and it's something that you and I have agreed upon many, 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 many a times. Relievers? Because – yes. Because the reliever that did win reliever of the month in the National League is Seth Lugo, who had an absolutely incredible month. Uh, nobody had an extra base hit against him in the month of July – uh, opposing batters hit 075 for the month. I think their on-base percentage was 119. So absolutely incredible month for Seth Lugo, which of course got people saying today that he should be the closer instead of Diaz. And this is the rant that I will always go on. Your best reliever should only be used in situations where the game is on the line. I do not give a fuck what inning that is. If it gets him a save or not, that's not important. Prime example, it was a one-run game in the eighth inning against the Pirates on Saturday. The Mets turned to Lugo in the eighth inning. Lugo goes one, two, three through the heart of the order. And then the Mets score insurance runs in the top of the ninth. So it becomes a low leverage situation for Diaz in the ninth. 
you're telling me you'd rather have Edwin Diaz pitch the eighth inning when it's a one-run game versus the ninth inning when it's a four-run game? Use your best reliever when you need your best reliever. It's, Why is this such a hard concept for people to understand? I don't know like when we're going to get to that day. I feel like we've had certain managers. Ned Yost comes to mind. Terry uh, Francona. Yeah. Andrew Miller. Certain, certain people get used when they need to be used. This is when the game will be lost. If, we do, if, if, if things go poorly, we need to bring our best reliever in. So I just don't know how that doesn't happen. I think the save should sort of be abolished from baseball, despite how yes. much I love uh, fantasy baseball. And I, I feel like it's a key stat in fantasy baseball. And without it, it's kind of weird. But I, 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 think, I think it should be abolished just because we live in a world where managers manage to a statistic, which doesn't happen in any other sport, in any other situation, right? Like yeah, you're managing in basketball, guys don't sense. manage to get a guy a certain number of, I don't even know what the equivalent is, like blocks? Yeah. Like what What other sport, like you're not putting a, I, imagine putting a running back in just to get first downs. Like it doesn't matter, I, I don't know. Yeah, this, it's, it's, weird. So, it's so weird that we can't find an actual metaphor for it. That's how weird it is. Because it doesn't exist in any other sport. It's so strange. I don't I don't get it. And maybe one day we'll get to that point. I just I hope it's in the next I don't th- I don't as long as it's a st- maybe a new wave of managers come in, but here's here's the thing that that works against it, right? Teams still use saves to determine salary. Mm-hmm. So it like players will never want to get rid of the, it's the same reason why players don't want to get rid of the win because if you it doesn't matter how well you pitch if you win more games you make more money. It's just the way no the sense. world works. The wins and losses but in baseball it, are the dumbest thing. Yeah, it's just, it will always be stupid that there are managers, and it, it's the large majority, that manage a game to get a certain pitcher a statistic in the ninth inning. Whoever your best reliever is, you should just, again, it, it's not a hard concept. If the bases are loaded with one out in the seventh inning of a one-run game, why would you save your best reliever for a situation that might not exist? Bring them in in that situation. It's truly unbelievable. It's easy. So, of those teams, uh, Fangraphs actually has the Phillies with a, a less percentage chance to make the playoffs than the Mets. As as they should. I think the Phillies, first of all, all smoke and mirrors. Um, second, um, what, what um, about the Phillies is special? Imagine having to deal with Bryce Harper for the next 12 years. Yeah. That I can't. We laughed about that contract the day it was signed. I just the day it was signed. I don't understand. Is he batting like two fifty yet? I don't I, think so. It's he's having a. But here's the thing: he's not even having an abnormal Bryce Harper year. This is a year we've seen from Bryce Harper multiple times. The year we haven't seen from Bryce Harper is the year he won the MVP. Yeah, that, that was one year. He was unconscious that whole year. But guess then who's we've? You know who's unconscious every day of his life? Mike Trout. Like guy, so good. guy, guy wakes up and is like baseball literal god, and then uh, this guy is just oh man, twelve more years. That's brutal. This year, uh, I have his baseball reference up right now. Only nineteen home runs in a year where everyone's hitting twenty home runs so far. I think everybody. He's batting two forty nine. Yeah, Jeff McNeil's going to hit Yikes. twenty home runs this year. By the way, I love Jeff McNeil. That, that's not a slight at all. No, Jeff McNeil. Jeff, Jeff McNeil's a batting machine. Um, what oh, what was I going to say? Yeah. It's one of those things where, I don't know. It's just, I remember I made on the, it's, it's not that Bryce Harper's bad. You and I have never said Bryce Harper's bad. No, he's it's overrated. Just, yeah, he's just, there's a whole reason why 
um, more overrated than Bryce Harper was a thing we did on this podcast. It's truly one of those things where being a four-win player is really good. It's really hard to do. I don't want to understate. Like, if you finish the year with a, a 4.0 or higher, you're probably an all-star, and you're arguably, what, one of the 50 best players in baseball? Yeah. It's just more times than not, Bryce Harper is going to occupy spots 30 to 50 than he ever will 1 to 15. I just can't believe there was, there was ever a time where we had a conversation that was like, hey, uh, who's better, Mike Trout or Bryce Harper? Wow. Never, and we never will. I remember once on this podcast I said that like Bryce Harper on his average day is more like Brandon Nimmo than he's like Mike Trout. That's still very true. It's I know unbelievable. Nimmo, Nimmo had a bad year because the Mets, being just peak Mets, asked him to play through like a very serious neck injury because this is what the Mets do. Mets, Mets, Mets. Um, that's that's Mets baseball. That's why I don't care what you say. They're not making the fucking playoffs. Uh, it's it's just he has more in common with Nimmo than he does Mike Trout. No one has anything in common with Mike Trout. But like, he's not even Mookie Betts. No, he's not even. He's not even. I'm trying to think of more outfielders or just not equivalent Yelich. players. Yelich. He's not Nolan Arenado. No, nope. he is not Christian Yelich. Nope. He's yeah. not even Aaron Judge. If we're being honest, no, I'd rather have Judge. Yeah. I just don't. I, I, I. It's impossible to feel bad for Philly fans, but man, you got duped into that one, buddies. I want nope, to say actually, feel, they, they, no fan base deserves a 13-year Bryce Harper contract quite like the Philadelphia Phillies. I want to take the last couple minutes of the podcast to talk about the crosstown rivals, New York Yankees, because I feel like we don't talk about them enough on the podcast because we're, you know, we're a big Mets podcast. I got, I'm sorry. I got into a friend, friend of the podcast and roommate of the podcast, Aaron Polcare, and I. Got into a massive argument about the Yankees on uh, trade deadline day. I'm interested just to to they didn't make any moves, right? And that's what we got into a massive argument about. Yeah, well, let's talk about it here because I'm a little confused about it. Um, the let's team do it. the team is obviously very good, no doubt about it, right? Quite, the, quite. Gonna, I would say it would be stunning if they're not in the championship series. This year. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, very good. The team that they the other team they have to be scared of, to me, in my personal opinion, is the Houston Astros, who just picked up Zach Granke at the deadline and. Well, I don't think that I don't think that should be a personal opinion. I think that's fact. That is a fact, correct. Uh, and that is the team. Those those two teams are the the favorites to win the AL for sure. Now, if Yan- that's not your American League Championship Series, something went horribly wrong for probably the Yankees. Uh, yeah, probably. I, I just I can't imagine the Houston Astros not being there. I think the Yankees could get nope. uh, could get scooped somehow. I don't know how, but. Great, uh, great tweet I saw this weekend. I think it was from Lindsey Adler. Uh, apologies if it wasn't. But it, it, the Astros are at a point in time where if they want to trade for one of your pieces that you can't quite figure out, hang up the phone and just stare at that piece until you figure it out. The Could, fact that they solved Aaron Sanchez in a week is stupid. Yeah, Aaron Sanchez literally got, was part of a no-no. <laughs> he left like a week ago. I just... And, but, and he wasn't... He was like unplayable in Toronto. And the way... It, it sucks because on the same day, uh, Derek Fisher, who's the guy the Blue Jays got back, took a fly ball straight to the face. Yeah. And couldn't even catch it. I know. So it was just really, really good luck. And I like but Derek yeah, Fisher if, too. If the Houston Astros call you and they want a guy that is str- – like if the Houston Astros called the Mets and were like, hey, we want Edwin Diaz, Brody should hang up the phone and just figure it out. <laughs> There's a reason they want him, right? Greggy's going to be incredible yes. as an Astro. Like they yes. look, they look at Granky as a free agent signing that they got on a huge discount, and they're sitting there yes. like, "Wow, that's all we had to give up for this? This is unbelievable." 
Uh, and because and- they they didn't give up. I, I like some of the pieces they gave up. I don't love any of them, but they kept. No, like Bukakis is probably the best of them. We would say, right? Sure, they like kept Whitley. They kept Tucker. They kept. They kept Alvarez. They kept they Alvarez. Kept... They're still loaded, man. They're loaded out of their yeah. minds. I. Talk about... I I like Corbin Martin, but if we're being honest, I still don't think Corbin Martin's anything more than like a back end starter. Sure, that's, and, and that... those grow on those grow on trees quite literally. That has valuable. Uh, it's, it's, it is valuable to some teams, and I, I get that why, but the U.S. Snatchers are unbelievable. The New York Yankees made zero moves, and they continue to have injuries on top of injuries, including uh, Edwin and Carcion, who has a fractured wrist now. Uh, Luke, Voigt, Hicks. Luke Voigt is out. Aaron Hicks is out. The team yep. is just uh, – Glaber Torres had uncomfort tonight running to first base, so um, there is – the team is just too good but may fall to injury prone. They made no pitching trades, and I – looking at that staff and the more I look at it, I can't – it's just very concerning. And that you we were talking about what was the way the Yankees would lose is they let up like eight runs a game or more. Because yeah, so, I don't know who pitches for them. See, yeah, see, the, argument, now the, the argument Aaron and I the argument Aaron and I got in is because he, he saw my tweet where I said the most curious thing and maybe the most egregious thing that happened at the trade deadline is the Yankees didn't add anyone. And he took that as um me just talking shit about the Yankees. And no, it's not, because it's not. Here, here's the thing. I 100% understand why the Yankees didn't go big fish shopping. If you don't want to trade Debbie Garcia and um, Florial for Marcus Stroman, don't do it, especially if it's going to either the Mets or a division rival. That's fine. That doesn't bother me. Granky wasn't ever an option because he has a no, no trade there. That's fine as well. Mm-hmm. Just like you run down the big fish and it felt like the Yankees, Mike Miner didn't get traded. Noah Syndergaard didn't get traded. Zach Wheeler didn't get traded. The one so that, the one that confuses, fish, me is, confuses me literally the most is Matt Boyd didn't get traded. That's unbelievable. Uh, the, the Tigers do have, I, I think it's like at least two more years of control with him. I guess. But the problem is we both agree that the Detroit Tigers aren't going to be good in two years either. Nope. So, but you know what? If you're the Tigers and you're not getting value from Matt Boyd, don't trade him either. So when the big fish aren't moving, you can't blame the Yankees for that. And again, it, it felt like the only two big fish they had a chance with, Stroman, they were asked to look at what the Mets traded for Stroman and then what teams were asking the Yankees to trade. It just doesn't make any sense. No, the Mets and, traded and I, that nothing. comes from it comes from a guy who likes Simeon Woods Richardson. I'm a big Woods Richardson guy. It's just Debbie Garcia is much better than Woods Richardson. And Anthony Kay to me is a very bland kind of major league ready prospect that I think it's a little overhyped just because of the fact that he's in triple A. Um, but you look at that and the Yankees are like, fine. I don't want to match that offer. Don't do it for Stroman. He struggled in his first start against the Mets, against the Pirates, mind you. So maybe it's not the end of the world. The thing that confuses me is it's it's crazy to me that they just did nothing because it, a guy I used as an example was, look at Mike Leake. Mike Leake didn't go for anything at the deadline, right? The Diamondbacks didn't give up much at all for Mike Leake. And Yankee fans could be sitting there shaking their head like, why is Greg criticizing the Yankees? for not trading for Mike Leake. Well, because it was only 12 months ago that we thought a rather innocuous trade of Lance Lynn didn't mean anything for the Yankees, and he became one of the most important pieces for them in the postseason. Absolutely. So it's just like you you add a guy like Mike Leake not because you think Mike Leake will be the reason why you win the American League Championship Series. You add a guy like Mike Leake because you know, even in the playoffs, he can eat quality innings for you if you need him to. The guy is a, qual- a like walking Lance, Lance Lynn start. became a yeoman in the playoffs, and Lance Lynn 
was one of the big difference. Lance Lynn had such a good postseason for the Yankees that he got a three-year contract from the, t- the Texas Rangers afterwards. And deserved So it. you look at, yeah, you look at Lance Lynn, you look at the fact that the Braves didn't give up much of anything for Shane Green. You look at, I mean, the the Blue Jays gave up nothing for Joe Biagini. There were plenty of pitchers that were traded. And I look, we're talking about a Yankee bullpen that is already incredible. So it's just an embarrassment of riches to make it better. It's just, it's an aggressive move. If you're the Yankees to be like, Severino will be will be healthy and Batances will be healthy. And we'll use those guys as our additions. They could be, but we're talking about serious injuries for both those pitchers. I think it's entirely reckless to assume that those guys will be good and healthy for the postseason. The Yankees don't need any help to get to the postseason, right? We're no, not, not talking about they're literally, the Yankees have added anyone. As we're the recording chase. this, they're, the Yankees they're, are up, they're up 7 nothing on the Red Sox. And the Red Sox have had maybe the, one the Red of, Sox are cooked. Maybe one of the most epic collapses in baseball the last the, – well, there, there's like – the Mets of the 2007, and then the, the Red yeah, Sox. Thank you, by the way. Thank you so much. So welcome. And really... the, Red, the Red Sox of 2010 is, are the two, the two I really think of. They've lost, I, I think, eight in a row at this point. They're getting absolutely fucking creamed. They, they got swept yeah. by the Rays, and now the Yankees have swept them, which leaves the AL wildcard between pretty much just the Rays and Athletics, and uh, that's it. That's it. That's I'd be it. stunned if another team besides those two factored in the wildcard decision. But it's, Cleveland, again, it's, Cleveland's it's just... there, but they play cake schedules, so. Right. So the problem, the Yankees standing pat does nothing for their playoff odds. They're in the playoffs. They're probably winning the division. In fact, if they don't win the division, that too would be a stunning development, especially considering they have just cake games left against the Blue Jays and the Orioles the rest of the way. So we're not, we're not even talking about did the New York Yankees need help to win the division. They didn't. It's just, you make these somewhat innocuous moves to add depth to your team. And it just fucking helps. Like I, I, I understand me saying it. It sounds fucking nuts that I'm saying Mike Leak might be a reason why the New York Yankees don't win in the playoffs. It's just you know exactly what you're getting from Mike Leak. And when you have a starting rotation where you don't even know if those guys are going to be able to make their next turn in the rotation, making a somewhat small trade for a Mike Leak goes a long way. That's all I'm saying. I agree. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway this week. We uh, had a very nonsense episode. Hopefully next week we're going to have our good friend Rick Carpinello on to recap some of the offseason. And we'll chit-chat. Uh, he actually texted me during this podcast, and all he said was, okay, I'm hurt you didn't say coach. Okay, I'm coach. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening to our baseball segment, and we'll be back next week with more Ranger talk and some other things. We'll, we'll, we'll probably try and have something in store for you. We'll see. Stay tuned. Love you guys. Bye.